Hey, thanks for checking out this podcast from Sports Kita Wrestling. Check out the rest of our audio offerings, including episodes of Legion of Raw with Vince Russo every Monday night into Tuesday, Smack Talk with Dutch Mantel every Friday into Saturday, and content nearly six days a week, including pay-per-view post shows. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on the podcast app of your choice. Also, check out all these shows in our video versions on YouTube and Facebook Watch. Well, here we are. It's another glorious Friday night and a great day to be a WWE fan, isn't it? Oh, what a tremendous day. Dutch Mantel, both in person and in action figure, uh, is here with us as always. We have uh, SP3, who has been the bane of my existence the last two days, but I still love him. Uh, you know, we can agree. We can agree to disagree on a lot of things, and uh, I, I, I oh, don't. We're going to straighten that out tonight. I don't know how much energy I have left to try and straighten that out, but I will give it my damnedest, to be completely honest with you. You I'll heard his, You hurt his feelings and he fell over. You need, <laughs> you need to stop drinking, Zeb. No, no, we all need to start drinking. Uh, after uh, the, after all the news that came out today, after the show we just watched, uh, we're, we're getting uh, some comments already in. Anthony says he would give SmackDown an 8 out of 10 tonight. Uh, I would uh, highly disagree with well, that. I, although I will say the ending saved it. Who said yes. that? Who said uh, that, that was that was Anthony Bruno said he'd give SmackDown an eight Anthony out of ten. Anthony Bruno, we need to give you nine out of ten slaps. We're <laughs> coming up with that resolution Chop. on this show. You you get nine out of ten Dutch Mantel chops. Oh my god, <laughs> Dutch, how hard can you still throw a chop these days? Uh, not that hard, but it'd be more annoying than it would be anything. But you still get it. I mean, you'd get my best effort. Oh my God! Well, for first, a great start. those things, those uh, things hurt regardless of all, how hard they are. First of all, Rick, yes, how would you rate the show since Mr. Edge Anthony? Edge bringing it back? Yeah, I'd say a five out of ten. But you know that that really did save it. Um, you know, with Edge coming back and being that big pop, because as Roman sitting there, or excuse me, as Heyman is sitting there talking and he's running down everybody and he's saying there's nobody left. I'm like, yeah. And you know we're we're sitting here on SmackDown with a bit ba- with a major babyface deficiency, uh, considering that Ke- well Kevin Owens was supposed to be taking time off, but it, it doesn't matter anyway because he already got beat by Roman five times. I'm sitting here going, well, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Nakamura? Are they going to go heel versus heel with Seth Rollins? Edge coming back makes a ton of sense, uh, especially you know now he gets to have a match in front of live fans which would be his first singles match in front of live fans in 11 years. Sid, I do yes. believe so, right? Because he came you back at the Rumble, and then his next match was at WrestleMania without fans. So that is going to be huge. That's a big matchup for the Universal Championship. Edge is, Edge is back to being babyface. We got, we got Mountain Man Edge. We got Dutch Mantel Edge with a big-ass beard. I don't know why he he was screaming, where you at, Roman, at the end he when was, Roman was, was right. on the ramp. <laughs> that was a big botch. Hey. He was looking right at him, and I'm like, he said, "Where are you at, Roman?" I, I mean, Edge is Edge is going old school. Work the hard cam, no matter what. <laughs> Work the hard cam, Edge. Roman, he's right there. He's, he's right he's, there, dog. He's literally yeah. right there. He's right there. Yeah. But other than that, other than that, uh, hey, I think this this makes a lot I, of sense. I could do my Joe Biden impression. He's right there, Edge. <laughs> he's right in front of you. <laughs> hey, don't oh, laugh man. at the president, please. <laughs> I mean, be patriotic here. You want him to do well. I mean, I say, what would you rate the show? 
Mr. I, I would give it a six out of ten, and that's because I am rating the Edge return very highly because, like, we've been complaining about the last couple of weeks. This show needed baby faces. I was wondering how Edge was going to come back as a baby face, but this fit well. The the Heyman yeah. promo set him up to be the baby face coming out because this show needed something because you couldn't just end the show with another Roman promo or, you know, Jimmy Uso coming out and being against him because you're, you're kind of retreading old waters edge coming in, especially with the promo that we heard earlier in the night from Seth Rollins. It sets up a number of things. It sets up edge versus Roman at money in the bank. It sets up Seth having a reason to go after edge, which has been, They've been teasing, you know, online as the matchup for SummerSlam. So this gives Seth a reason to be upset with Edge. So they're setting the ball in motion for SummerSlam already here. So I like it on a number of different levels. Well, what I was I was thinking, since we're like we're fresh out of baby faces, and we saw this a month ago, but I was thinking maybe that uh, Dominic could make a return, which would have been better than. I mean, it wouldn't have been better than Edge, of course. Right. It, it would have, that was the best best choice they had left that I saw. Because yeah. I thought, I've, I've been reading that Edge went home or he, he's finishing up or whatever he's doing. But he did save the show. And I would give the show up to that point about a three. I mean, the guys yeah. worked hard. Yeah. But oh, the wrestling was great. The, the in-ring wrestling was great. But a lot of the things that happened on this show tonight – was was either retreads, the same stuff that we've constantly been seeing over and over again, uh, badly written promos, and you know just things that didn't make sense, including what happened with the women's money in the bank qualifiers, which uh, we'll we'll get to coming up here. And, and Sid, to to your credit though, yes, this does easily set up Edge and Rollins, which is the direction that they they apparently are going to go. That's why Rollins went back there and said, "Hey, look, I want a title shot." Now here's Edge. Yes, it gives Seth the reason, but I would have rather, and I hope they tie this in. I would have rather Edge be the aggressor in going after Seth Rollins because that storyline's already built. Back when Edge was on the no-touch list, Rollins literally threatened to kill the man. That's how he brought back – that's how he got John Cena to bring back the authority. Like, that that storyline's already written. Do you really need to have Rollins be jealous over a universal title match to get this program going? The answer's no. Rick, do you think WWE thinks that we remember that or wants us to remember that? Come if on. They pay Let's attention to social media, which, by the way, is the only thing that they can pay attention to these days. Oh, and trust we me, we'll get into this Let in a minute. minute. <laughs> they pay attention to social media. Uh, yeah, they would uh, They would know that we want to see that because of that. There's history there. you got to play on history. Let me- let me tell you a story, Rick. I was in uh, I was in Memphis, WWE, and uh, and they went and got me a bullwhip because I used to use the bullwhip in Memphis, yeah. and I brought it out on Raw. I don't know if you remember that or not. Yes, I do. But SmackDown was the next night, and it says, "Oh, don't take the whip." I went, <laughs> "Why not?" They said, "Oh God, yeah, you can't, you can't take the whip. It's like it's got all kind of." It's got slavery written all over it, and you know this, all this. God, you just—they said corporate went nuts when I brought that whip out. I said, "Well, what do I, I go out without it?" And Vince said, "Yes, go out without it." I said, "Well, what do I say about it?" He says, "Pow." <laughs> I never forget this. He said, "Pow, just pretend it never happened." <laughs> so I brought it out, made a big deal, and I was talking about Rusev. 
But he said, just pretend you never had a whip. Just act. He's what he's telling me is act stupid. So really, he was telling me just act like myself, and I'll be okay. But I'll never forget that. But that's one of the stories that people they look at you and they say, "What did that really happen? It really happened." There's a lot that uh, where were we guys? <laughs> I was gonna say there's there's a lot that went down this week. Uh, a lot of people are getting their comments in saying they're happy to see Edge back. Um, you know. This was one of those things heading into this week. I'm sitting here and I'm looking and I'm like, God, they, they really need it. They, they got to turn somebody baby face. I'm thinking Sami Zayn would have been uh, a logical choice here. And I thought maybe they were going there with his promo tonight where he's talking about how he's seen the light. And we'll get into Sammy coming up here a little bit. But uh, Edge coming back, flipping him back into a baby face does make a lot of sense. I'm excited to see these guys get their one on one matchup. And uh, as I said earlier, it uh, it absolutely saved the show. Guys, do make sure to get your uh, comments in. There's already plenty coming in. I appreciate all 62 people who are here right now. Make sure to engage with us as well. Uh, get those likes and those hearts and those laughs up there because it really kind of helps uh, drive our traffic, the more engagement that uh, we are getting with the show. Also, get your questions in for Dutch. We will bring up any question you have for Dutch. It does not have to be SmackDown related. I got a big question I got to ask Dutch uh, earlier uh, later on in the show, or maybe we should just get into it today. Uh, Edge coming back. Uh, but the the big news, this was another uh, rough day uh, for, for WWE fans, over over 12 superstars and one writer, which we'll get into uh, released here today. A lot of the, them uh, 205 Live stars. I think 205 Live is down to like three or four active competitors now. Gutted. Uh, yeah, absolutely gutted. Uh, Killian Dane uh, let go. Um, Marina Shafira left go. Fondango and Tyler Breeze both let go. That one, that one hurt me a lot because those are two of the most entertaining guys they have. Uh, in the entire who, company, who, who was who was let go? Uh, Tyler Breeze and Fandango uh, were let go today, uh, <laughs> along with uh, you know. Oh, I, uh, I like those guys. Did they? Yeah, yeah, genuinely entertaining dudes. Could I mean? I'll never forget the night they came out as Emporium and had that that big like uh, disco club beat of their theme music. That was uh, you know they these were just two guys who were in, immensely talented. And yeah, they to WWE totally missed the boat with them. Uh, Sid, just just another rough day to be uh, a wrestling fan. Is now the the releases hit round three here, and we're up to like forty talents who were let go. Uh yeah, it's been a rough year. Like we thought that it was really bad last year in April with the Black Wednesday, with almost what it was twenty percent of the superstars being cut then, and now we've experienced it a number of different times. We had in April with Samoa Joe, Mickey James, Iconics, and others. We had uh, just a couple of weeks ago, me and Dutch were talking about Braun Strowman, Alistair Black, Buddy Murphy, and others getting cut, and now we got this one. We've had. NXT cuts. So there's been four. There's been four different talent cuts this year. And I, I mean, today I was definitely, you know, surprised and saddened by, you know, Bree Zango getting let go. I think that they are probably among the most underutilized tag teams in the last decade. Uh, when you think about Fandango, especially the night after WrestleMania 29, I know Dutch talked about you know him getting hired before WrestleMania 29, so he could probably say it better. He was in the building that night, the Raw after WrestleMania 29, with the the crowd just being behind Fandango. I was I was there, and I took the train home, and literally people were singing his song on the train 
from like if you were going from Jersey to to New York, they were they were singing it the whole time. No one has probably been that over and not gotten a push outside of like Zack Ryder and then Tyler Breeze. When you think about the OG WWE Network NXT, I don't think there was an, another gimmick outside of like Bailey that was like seemed like it was tailor made for the main roster. Tyler Breeze was Rick the Model Martel meets the OG Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels. And they just blew it. They literally blew it. From the minute he came on the main roster, they downsized him. He was losing to Dolph Ziggler within two weeks of being there. So, like, and then them as a tag team, they were the highlight of SmackDown with the fashion files. So that's the one that really, like, just upsets me the most. But I really am, you know, optimistic for all the talent that got let go. They're going to get bigger and better things. But Dutch, what's your thoughts on, you know, Breeze Angle getting let go, NXT, as well as 205 talent being let go? Well, what, what, well, you know, talent getting let go is, is it doesn't surprise anyone, but it's the yeah. level and the amount that they, that WWE has been letting uh, our, our release. What's the reason for it? Of course, a while back we said they were they're probably on the verge of being sold to an, another to somebody else, or but I haven't heard anything like that in the last couple of weeks. So I don't I don't know why they're doing this because I don't think they're giving them a chance. Uh, and NXT, who is who they send back down to NXT? What, what's the kid's name? Baylor. Oh, well, Finn, Finn, Finn Balor. Yeah, he was Finn, there. He was there for Finn a while, Baylor. but. Yeah, Finn Balor. He was there for a while, but uh, we haven't seen him uh, since he lost to Karrion Cross for the now, uh, second time. You mentioned Samoa Joe. He's coming back, right? He yeah, came he's back. back. Yeah, he's Triple back H coming back. Yeah, Triple H nabbed him up real quick and brought him back as a uh, special enforcer down in NXT, crushing it so far in his first two weeks back in NXT. So that was smart. So there's one guy that they have brought back. He's, he's, he's a great talent. So I don't know the reason behind it. I'm not Vince. Vince makes these decisions, I guess, with his his advisors or whoever they would be. But there's a reason for it, and it, it perplexes me, so I don't have an answer for that. I mean, this is something, Dutch, that, you know, when you first started doing the show, you asked, you know, how, how can you guys book this show when you have, you know, so many talents, when you have 80, 90 people or whatever it was under their roster? I mean, they have... They have cut it deep. They have cut it so deep that well, they're now trying to write themselves out of a corner in their own women's division on SmackDown. Go ahead, Dutch. Well, they got the talent. I mean, they're overrunning with talent still. But yet, how many no. people were on the show, Sid? 12? I think it was 12 or 13. I, I want to say with Edge, that made 13 on this night. 12 or 13 on the show. Yep. So I, I don't get it. I'd, I would like to bring one thing up. I think, uh, what's her name, DeVille? Sonia, yeah. Oh, yeah. What an outfit she had on. <laughs> everybody wants to talk about uh, Seth Rollins looking good in suits. Sonia slays everybody on the damn roster wearing a suit. I agree. Oh, my God. Crush I'm out there, I went, and you noticed her. Oh, yeah. You, you all think. The only thing is noticeable is uh, Bianca Belair's lipstick. <laughs> that kind of jumps at that kind of jumps at you too. 
it it does pop. It does pop for sure. Uh, guys, well, make sure to get your comments in. Any, anything you want to talk about the, the releases today, uh, we'll 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 bring them up. Uh, Sid, do you want to get into this now while I still have a little bit of energy left? Because this is. Yeah, I think I think by the time you go through all the segments before Edge's return, you're going to be out of it. So yeah, I think we should get it in early. Oh my goodness! All right, so the the biggest news that came, the first release that happened today, uh, was a a young woman, um, by the name of uh, Kenise Mobley. And if you're wondering who that is, she was a a writer brought in by WWE, wrote for the uh, Tonight Show. Uh, was brought in, had success on a national level as a writer, and was brought in to, to write on Monday Night Raw. Not like the head writer, not like the lead writer or anything like that, but was brought in uh, to be part of the team in the writer's room uh, for Monday Night Raw. She did a podcast this week uh, where she could not correctly identify the WWE champion. Didn't know if it was Bobby Ashley or Bobby Lashley. Uh, pretty much flat out admitted uh, that she did not know much about professional wrestling. And my God, did the internet lose their damn minds like this is something new that WWE has done. It, it is not new. They do this on all levels across the board, from talent to writers to maybe not producers so much, but they, they bring in people, athletes, wrestlers especially, who have no background whatsoever, maybe have no knowledge in wrestling whatsoever, all the time, been doing it for decades. But she Rarely, admits, rare, rarely though. But she admits that she doesn't know anything about professional wrestling. Everybody loses their damn mind. And now today, WWE releases her, but says it had nothing to do with fan backlash why they released her. Nothing. I have a major issue with this. Sid does not. And we have been arguing for, what, roughly 48 hours straight, Sid? Uh, pretty much since this, uh, since this. I still love you. I still love of you. Course. Of I'll, course. Get, I'll probably get heated here because this is something that's personal to me. Like this, I, I have a personal connection to this. Um, That's what, That's what, is, what, what is that personal, personal connection? We, we need to know that. Okay, the, the personal connection here is... Because he's biased, Sid, already. <laughs> I, can, I can tell you. So, so this you're woman... To, listen, you're about to get a mistrial here, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> so she was brought I'll in... This, I'll throw it out. I will. She was brought in. Kenise Mobley was brought in to be a writer, to help yes. out. Yes. Uh, in, the, in the writer's room to help out create yes. characters, to help drive dialogue, things like that, to help out the people who know professional wrestling. People lost their damn minds because she didn't know professional wrestling. When I was hired in as a news anchor for 700WW eight years ago, I did not know a damn thing about news. I went from covering training camp to covering an election, and I could not tell you the definition of the word incumbent. I was let go from my all sports job because they decided to flip the station. I was fired. I was out on my ass. And Jeff Henderson, the news director at the time at 700 WLW, saw something in me, even though I did not know a damn thing about news, and said, I can teach you news. Uh, you, can, you can write. You're a great broadcaster. I'm going to bring you in, and I can teach you news. And he single-handedly saved my career. Eight years later, I am the morning co-anchor on the top-rated news station in the country. Because he saw something in me, was willing to be patient with, with me, was willing to teach me the business and let me grow into that role. She was brought in to write. She can learn. She had every opportunity to learn the business, to learn professional wrestling. I did the same thing. When I was brought into SK, I didn't know nearly as much about the business as I thought I did. 
but I went out and I trained for a year with Jimmy Wang Yang. I learned everything that I could. I went out of my way to know this business better so I could better cover it. She had all that opportunity in the world because you can teach people professional wrestling. You can teach them who the champions are and how to, what you can't do is you can't teach somebody to be funny. You can't teach somebody to be creative or, or maybe you could tweak their writing a little bit. But that's what WWE needed help with, was writing creatively and writing dialogue that doesn't suck ass. Look at the dialogue that they had, that they had Son, uh, Bianca Belair and, and Seth Rollins uh, and Bailey trotting out there tonight and tell me they don't need help writing compelling dialogue. I, Listen, actually, anything I, think, I, think, I think that woman wrote that for you. <laughs> she hadn't even started yet. She just started. But as of June 14th, she didn't start. She hadn't started. She does this podcast like a week later. Obviously, she had done some kind of, of research because she got close enough to Bobby Lashley. She knew he was in the hurt business. It was close enough. She had just literally started, just literally started. And now she's out on her ass because the only thing she did wrong, in my opinion, was she admitted that she didn't know something. She admitted that she was honest, and that was her mistake, and she got crucified for it. Now she's okay. out of the job. Is that your case? That's my case. Everybody I'm, brings something different I'm, to the I'm, table. I'm damn near tempted to throw it right now. <laughs> After that defense. Okay, Sid, you're up. Okay. Count, counselor, present your case. I think it's a little bit more not uh, – it's, it's a pretty cu cut-and-dry case, in my opinion, because – You can object, I, Mr. Rick. I as – I'm just going to state this. As an African-American on a public platform like I am right now, I have a lot of sympathy for this young lady. And I agree with you. You know, if she's coming in for a writing job, she deserves the same opportunity as everybody else. And yes, WWE actually does have a lot of comedy writers, a lot of drama writers, a lot of Hollywood and movie writers. Where That's not the issue. The writing is not the issue. It's the overwriting. It's Bianca Belair in NXT when she's not given a script word by word to give. She was one of the better promos for all the ladies in NXT. But when you give her a script, word by word on SmackDown, we get the dribble drabble that me and Dutch criticize each and every week. That's the issue. Secondly, secondly, she went on a podcast and publicly exposed the company for not asking for any type of knowledge of a writer. I'm sorry, as an African-American, this is why you should learn a little bit about the company you work for and realize that WWE does not like to look bad like that. They don't like to have the public, you know, the public know what their hiring process is. So this is why she should have learned a little bit about the company that she worked for before she went on a podcast and publicly let it known that they don't ask me to do anything. She was very nonchalant very passive about it. You know, it's it's one thing to get somebody's name wrong. Okay, there, there was 101 different ways for her to say the same thing. She could have said, I don't really know a lot about wrestling, but I'm very excited to, for the job that I have. The, the, the person that she was on the podcast with did not prompt her, did not ask her, who's the WWE champion on Monday Night Raw? No, she literally put it out there that she doesn't know the WWE champion's name. It wasn't a question. It was literally her talking, her talking. And when you're an African-American and you're given that opportunity, 
you need to be on your P's and Q's. As an African-American on this stage, I know I can't always say the things that Dutch Mantel, a wrestling legend, can say. I can't say the things that you, being on a radio show, being a wrestling journalist for the number of years that you have, I can't say the same things that you can say. I need to be on my P's and Q's to take advantage of the opportunity that I have on this platform. And she needed to do the same thing. We, as an Afri as a fellow African-American, I expect more from her. She needs to be smarter than do what she did on that podcast. It's all about the issue with that podcast. I want her to have that opportunity. I want her to learn in the, in the role that she is, but she made a dumb decision. And it doesn't matter if she's white, black, green, or, or gray, people were going to criticize the words that she said on that podcast. And so her sin, she's African-American in the WWE, it just made it quicker for them to just fire them. And I think that everybody on both sides, people criticizing her, people that are critical of the fans' reaction, they need to put the heat on WWE and the hiring process and realize what the real issue here. The real issue is they have too many writers, not that they need good ones. I, th I think it's a little bit of both. I think they, they, they need some good ones as well. And said, I'm not going to argue with you at all about what she did was dumb. It was dumb as hell. Fake it until you make it. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sitting here arguing that what she did was, was, it, was not hey, idiotic. It sounds, like, it sounds like arguing to me. I don't know. I'm, I'm not arguing. I think we're talking about two different things here because that's why you're outraged. But I saw so many people just gravitating toward that headline and going, oh, there it is, right there. There it is, right there. That's why WWE sucks. It's because they hire people who don't know the business. They don't know. They don't know who Bobby Lashley is. This is a writer on Raw, and she doesn't know who Bobby Lashley is. Didn't take time to realize how long she had been there, which wasn't long at all. Didn't even think outside of the box that maybe she could help the show out in some other way. Because God knows, from the corporate boardroom all the way down to the referees, they have plenty of people in the damn building who know professional wrestling. Maybe she can help. Maybe she can look at something in another direction. It's that closed-mindedness. And I, 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 I respect your argument, and I, expect, I respect your opinion because you are looking at it from a different lens. But there are so many people out there who just looked at it and went, WWE is so stupid for hiring somebody who doesn't know anything about professional wrestling when they have literally been doing this for decades in all positions. That. They brought in Michael Cole, who did not have an extensive wrestling background, and he worked his way all the way up. Granted, it took a long time, but he has worked all the way up. It took a while for him to get good. It, it, it took a while, but he worked his way all the way up to being one of the top guys in the company. Yes, go ahead, Dutch. Oh, can I, can I speak now? Yes, you can. Well, her sin was admitting that she knew it, she didn't know anything about the business. That's what her sin was, but she didn't know she was committing a sin. Right. But they yes. have been doing this for a long time and they may really they may have done her a favor because I, I've seen writers there who, who've been there for years. Nobody listens to them. The talent, they don't listen to these writers because if they don't like it, they'll just go in there and see Vince or they'll see somebody else and then they, they go back to the writer, you need to change this, you need to change that. But see, even though she's a comedy writer and she may be an entertaining writer, she doesn't know the wrestling business. And to me, you know, they say to be a critic, I used to hear this when they talked about Meltzer. You know, they said he's never wrestled. And he'd always say, well, you don't have to be a wrestler to, to be a critic. And you don't. You know if it's good or, or if it's not. But she knows absolutely nothing. You wouldn't hire a basketball coach to coach a, a football team. You, just, you wouldn't hire an English uh, teacher 
to teach science. You she had no background, even even in, in, in writing. But there's a way to write for wrestling and a way to write for something else. Exactly. And I don't think the guys would have listened to her. It may have saved her a lot of heartache and a lot of turmoil uh, because when those doors close in the back and those writers go out to all the talent, it's a war. It's a quiet war, but it's, it's negotiating back and forth. Well, I don't think I, some guys pick it apart word by word. I don't think I'd say this and that and that and, you know, and then the writers, they can't defend what they've said. And they say, well, they'll go see Vance, but they don't want to go see Vance because that is admitting a weakness so, I don't know. I, 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 I felt sorry for the girl, but I, I think they have too many writers of her magnitude that they don't even, they don't treat the business correctly. And they don't know how to do it. I think they could do better with less writers. I, See, I, I think made, they, I they, they should trust their talent more. Because the, the best I promos agree. we see are the ones that with the talent just, you know, they get some bullet points of what they need to get out and they go out there and they be themselves. Yeah. That's absolutely the best stuff. Yes. But that doesn't mean that this girl couldn't have contributed in some way. Dutch, you brought up uh, being a, a head football coach. No. You, if you don't know football or you don't know baseball, you're, you're not going to be the manager. But they bring in mathematicians. They bring in people who know analytics, who can, who can analyze stats and help out the ball club in other ways. There, there are different ways that you can help out. And that no one said she was going to be coming in here and being the head head writer of Raw, but sh maybe she could have helped out. Maybe she could figure out how to write dialogue for Rhea Ripley that isn't uh, four sentences long and they all suck ass. Uh, you know, there, there's other ways that you can help out and not, you know, be not be able to pass a history test when it comes to, to wrestling knowledge. I do have a question for you, Dutch. Um, how much you would probably know this. Did, yeah. did Chris Kresge have a whole lot of wrestling knowledge before he came in as the head writer in, in the late 90s? I, I don't even know who he is. He was, <laughs> he was the lead writer. He took over for Vince Russo. He was the lead yeah. writer from like 98 to like 2002 on Monday Night Raw. A very important time in WWE. He was with MTV for 15 years yep. before he came over and took over on Monday Night Raw. Yep. So the question is what? What, what did he know about wrestling before he came in and, and took over as the lead writer on Monday Night Raw? What, what did he know? What did he, he have any expensive wrestling background? What, he might have been a fan, but did I he have any experience in wrestling? I don't think so. Yeah, but look but who being he had, a fan is look, different. But look who he had around him, Rick. He had Stone Cold. He had The Rock. And he had Mankind. And he had Undertaker. And he had Bruce Prichard. And he had uh, Jericho. And he had all those guys that... That boy, and he had flair. He had all these great talkers on their own. So when he brought a when he brought a, a script back for them, that they would look at it, and and they would change it to meet their needs, or to make it fit them. But this is what this girl and none of the writers have. They don't really have these guys who really. I don't think a lot of these guys don't even know their own character. I mean, I think Sami Zayn knows his, yep. and KO knows his. Yep. Yep. The top guys know their character. But you look at Edge coming after that, after all the time he spent getting the Edge character over, people, well, I know I was excited when I saw him when he came down, because you know what the guy is. And he didn't have writers getting him over. He, a writer probably wrote a lot of his stuff. 
But I, I think this girl, I hated it happened to her. And I think she would have uh, maybe not had a, a good experience if just left alone. But her sin yeah. was admitting that she got hired without any prior knowledge of the wrestling business. And some yeah. of these wrestling fans, they take that as an insult. Oh, the, the gatekeeping was hot and heavy, man. Oh my God. Stay away from my wrestling, man. Don't, don't touch it. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. Somebody said, no, maybe or may not. They, they may or may not work here. Uh, worst thing I've ever seen. They said, and I just had to laugh. I'm like, they've done this stuff before. They've done this stuff before. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't, but I don't see this as a big deal because I can look at somebody and go, they can help out in other ways. And you can well, let me, wrestling. Well, let me, let me say this. That Bianca Belair's interview tonight, I don't know who wrote it, but I think this, what's her name? Mobley Lady. I think she couldn't have done any worse. No. Because no. the interview was just horrible. Oh, yeah. No, the, no. The, the, all, the, all the promo exchanges. Like, the deliveries were good. They did what they could with them. And, and that, op that opening segment, man, it was just, oh, it was cringe. It was some of the worst stuff. <laughs> Some of the worst stuff. I'm just like, please, dear God, just get to the dang match. But, but get, the good thing about it is we, we've seen this before. And it'll last a while. And it'll last till you see something you like. And that's what WWE is doing now. They're going through their bag of tricks to see what they can come up with and engaging the audience. It's going to be a different story when they go live in three weeks. Because now they'll have real fans. And they'll put that ear and they'll start listening to them. And you'll see a lot of big changes coming off that first week. Yeah, because that yeah. I, I would think and Dutch, you know, obviously you you haven't worked through an, an era like this where literally your only gauge is social media, but we know how toxic social media is where everybody hates everything. This this whole year, these last 18 months have had to be almost impossible for the company to really properly gauge who is over, who's doing well, and what the fans truly do like. Yeah, they're they're guessing because they they don't know, they don't they truly they don't know. Now they're still selling merchandise, but I don't know how much they can tell from that. What they tell from that is going to the live events and seeing what's selling. And sometimes if a guy's selling a lot of stuff or a girl's is selling a lot of stuff, they said okay, there's something there. Then they get behind them because of just the the amount of merchandise and the money they're bringing in. So what did we think of the uh, the mixed tag team match? Once the the terrible promos were done, the microphones were, the microphones were down. Sid, what what did we think about this one? I thought the matchup was good. It was really it was pretty good action. All these all these uh, guys and girls they work well together. Bianca and Bailey, as well as Seth and Cesaro. But I have probably not rolled my eyes and grown more for a finish in quite some time. Like Bailey, after losing a, a Hell in a Cell match, clean as a whistle, getting her win back. And and this was after that promo segment where I, I kind of agree with Young Drizzy. It wasn't the worst Bianca promo that I heard. I think we saw that a couple of weeks ago. It was Bailey, the bully. It was, the, fully. it was the fact that Bianca and Bailey literally cut the same promo that they did last week 
before they did a Hell in a Cell match. Ba- you know, Bailey saying that the the win was yeah. a fluke. It's like it's like nothing changed. Nothing happened. It was like hell. You basically told us within five minutes of the show starting that nothing that happened on Sunday mattered, and that's what pissed me off. And then the finish confirmed my thoughts of that promo was that nothing what happened on Sunday mattered because that wasn't even the end of the feud. The feud is going to continue because Bailey has just beaten the SmackDown Women's Champion. You want to know why it's continuing, Sid? Who else do they have? They don't have anybody else for Bianca to fight right now because they have they have the women's tag team champions who are on SmackDown. They're working on Raw because there are no other tag teams on SmackDown. Sasha Banks is still MIA. You need four women from SmackDown to go into the Money in the Bank ladder match. They don't have anybody else, so of course they have to continue the damn feud. Where is that? Where is Sasha Banks? We haven't seen her since the SmackDown after Mania. She was asked what she thought about losing her title. She rolled her eyes and she walked away. Gone ever since. And gone ever since. So nobody, I don't know. So she just left. She can't. She couldn't have just left. Well, I mean, she's still with the company, but she just she just walked off. She. They they took her off TV. They 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 obviously obviously have something cooking down the line. She's gonna want to get her receipt against Bianca. I think she's gonna. It's probably gonna be Bianca Sasha. I thought maybe Bailey would be involved as well, but I don't think so now that uh, Bailey looks like she's gonna get another opportunity at Bianca. And I'm not mad at it because these two work well together with one another. But this this is the same thing that happened later on in the night. It's another thing where WWE is trying to write themselves out of cutting the roster too deep. How badly could they use Chelsea Green right now? How badly could oh, they use how badly could they use Mickey James right hey, now to step Chelsea, up to Bianca Belair? Laura Von Ness, the hot mess, Laura Von Ness. Yes. We we invented that by accident in TNA. I mean in uh, Impact. Because she had the wedding and then it got all messed up and she was left standing at the altar. So the next week we were going to do an interview with her, but we found her still in the, and I told her, stay in the dress, start crying, bawling, and her makeup was all messed up. So when I went in there and I did this interview, I said, well, you're going to stay, Laura Von Ness, for a while. I want you to wear that wedding dress every time you go out there. And she got over with that. She really did. Yeah. I, I actually loved that character because, you know, you got to have characters like that. The people yeah. loved her because she, she was actually, she was a pretty girl anyway. And when she went out there with her makeup smeared and she'd been left at the altar, people felt a certain type of kinship with her and they liked her. So and that's, if, first of all, you got to, like I said before, you got to touch them in the heart and they like that girl. And when you, when they like somebody, you can do anything with them. Yep. It's true. Yep. I mean, the only thing I can think of is, is Becky Lynch is really returning sooner rather than later. But, I mean, I don't think she's going to be back until, until live crowds are there. But they, they cut the roster deep. You only have seven active competitors right now, technically six, because we haven't seen Sasha. You really could use a lot of these women that they just needlessly cut. You could use Ruby Riot right now. She would be great in the Money in the Bank ladder sure match. Sure would have. I, 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 love, I love Ruby Riot. I like those girls with, with character and... I don't know. They literally don't. I got got it all wrong. They literally don't have enough women on the roster to do Money in the Bank qualifying matches, which is why, which is why Sonya came out there and just said, here's Carmella. She's in. 
even though she just lost to Liv Morgan two weeks ago, Liv screwed up tonight. She said last week. It was two weeks ago. Yes. She comes well, out. Liv, is, Liv, though, to her credit, is pissed off. That, that writing at least made sense. And then she was like, all right, give me an opportunity. And then she beats Carmella again, clean as a whistle. And then we don't even know if Liv actually got in because they didn't make it clear enough. They did not make it clear whether or not Liv Morgan got in. I didn't see a graphic. We said they had Cole afterwards saying, well, did she do enough to get in? I was like, didn't Sonya just say you beat Carmella, you're in? Like, what the hell is going on? I think that's enough. It's bad. It doesn't make sense. It's bad. They need more women on SmackDown. Mia Yim is apparently a member of the roster, but we haven't seen her in, in God knows how long. It's This is WWE cutting. They do this in radio all the time. When they do these massive cuts, they just cut deep, see where they screwed up, and then try and bring people back in or bring in some new people to, to up. They, they got to know they need more women on SmackDown because this none of this really worked tonight because now you're continuing a feud that has no business continuing and you don't even have enough women on your roster who are there in the building to build up your Money in the Bank ladder match. Well, can I do my Joe Biden impression again? <laughs> I, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> no, that's not funny. Don't laugh at our president. He's doing the best I mean. he can. So anyway, I didn't like the first match. I did the uh, actually I like Bailey getting the getting the pin. I like that. What was the second match? Uh, what, was the second, sec- what was the second abortion? <laughs> the second the second match after that was all the way later on in the night, like right around nine o'clock was Big E versus Apollo. Because in between all that, we had uh Kingske, uh his coronation tonight, and we had a lot of Rollins going back with uh Sonia Deville and Adam Pierce, and then yeah, it, then we finally got to the money in the bank. What did we think of the coronation of Shinsuke Nakamura? Obviously, Dutch, you were a huge fan of that tonight. Oh man, I fell out. I really did. I, I screaming, dancing around. He just put a crown on after the guy banged on that guitar. I tell you what, he the guy, what's his name? Boogs. Uh, Rick Boogs. What? Rick Boogs. He's getting heat with me playing a guitar. <laughs> I, I would. They can make, make they can make him a heel, but they didn't do anything. There was no announcement or this. And they just put the crown on him, and then they did it for. Uh, then they interviewed some more people and went like that, and that was it. That that was and, the worst and, thing. And, and then who was the next match? They went to the ring, and all of a sudden you got Nakamura and that books guy. They're just gone. I don't. They got all that stuff out of the ring and took off after they showed you putting it all in the ring. Right. Somebody else, you would think it would still be there, but no, there was no. See, here's the thing. I thought the coronation was entertaining because I do like Rick Boogs and I I like Shinsuke Nakamura a lot. And it was energetic and it was entertaining. And you got Pat McAfee doing the stuff. Pat McAfee's the best part. (laughs) Pat McAfee sold it. Like Pat McAfee, Rick Boogs, and Shinsuke Nakamura together, whatever they do are doing is money. They could all be sitting there playing cards and I would watch that because they would be entertaining at it. But the whole segment meant nothing. It didn't mean anything. It just showed me that, oh, okay, instead of King Corbin walking around with a crown and doing absolutely nothing, now it's going to be Shinsuke Nakamura who is walking around with a crown and doing absolutely nothing. It didn't mean anything. When they stamped it boring is when they showed uh, Corbin there just walking off. Pouting. He was pouting. That, That tells me they're bringing him back as this big monster heel when he's going, I don't have my crown anymore or whatever the hell he said, because they, still had, the, they had the music cranked up to 
freaking 11 and you couldn't hear what Corbin was saying. You got who was was it Kayla? Was it Kayla who was back there? Poor like five foot four Kayla trying to hold up the microphone. I've been there before. I've been in the Bengals locker room trying to talk to to Andrew Whitworth, and I'm literally holding up my hand as high as I can go, uh, trying to get good audio. She can barely get the mic up to his mouth. They got the music cranked up to eleven, and you, you can't hear a word that Corbin's saying other than what's the point at the end, which tells me we're not going to see Baron Corbin for a while. Speaking of Baron Corbin, I have a very important question for you, Rick. And I haven't for, had a chance to look at it. I've been busy. Paul, well, well, for Paul in the uh, in the in the live chat, since he <laughs> says I love Corbin, he still hasn't come up with a great Baron Corbin match. I heard him say, I heard, I saw him say earlier in the chat, "Oh, has Sid seen seen a, a a good or somewhat good Baron Corbin match?" No, that's not on me. That's on Rick and you. You guys are fans. I didn't Baron know it was Corbin. a homework. I didn't know it was a homework assignment. Yeah, just... yeah. Present present <laughs> this great Baron Corbin match. After we dunked on him last week, you I know said, I got three jobs and two kids. You think I got time to go back and watch the network and, and look up Baron Corbin matches? I got one-year-old twins, man. I got one-year-old twins and like two other jobs, and I'm on three different channels. So I, I, I got, I'm, I got I'm, a I'm, I'm too busy training for my pro wrestling debut. All right, I'm too busy doing right. that. Maybe hey, we get, get, wait a minute. When we get to see that debut, yes, absolutely. Video, yes. Hey, maybe maybe you can give debut, Baron Corbin a great match. No, when he has that match, we're gonna critique it, Ted. Please, please do. We're gonna rip it to shreds. Okay, keep in mind it's Bob, my first it, one no, ever. Bob, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't do that anyway. But I, I, I do want to see it though. I really do. Oh, absolutely. So, but that's, the that's big the plan, question man. is, Sid, how can you give this a six out of ten? Really? <laughs> I, I think I think like five. You're out knocking of it six. more than we are. Five out of six is because of Edge. Five out of six of it is because of Edge and okay. the wrestling was how many, good. How many points did that bring it up? Four and a half? No, five. He gave it a six. <laughs> I gave it five. If Ed brought it was five, he yeah. had it rated as a one. <laughs> it was a one before Edge gave out. It was really – I liked all the wrestling on this show. The wrestling is good. The performers is never the issue. It's the booking and the creative. Which there goes was, back to my other argument about that. There, there was one thing that really bothered me in the opening matchup. There was one thing that really bothered me. So Bailey's working heat in the middle of the match. She is de- desperately trying to keep uh, Bianca away from tagging Cesaro. And then she gets hit with, with the Hope Spot shot. And then Bailey starts going to her corner to tag in Rollins, which in this matchup negates all of the work she just did to keep Bianca away from the other corner because the second either one of the guys gets tagged in, they have to leave. Yep. So you're trying to keep. Bianca from tagging Cesaro because you don't want Rollins to come into the match. And then you turn around and try and tag Rollins anyway. The whole thing didn't make sense. And then once Cesaro got tagged, you had Rollins still there in the corner holding out his hand. Like he forgot the rules of the match. I don't know if they did that on purpose, but that whole segment, I'm just like, oh God, that was bad. We forgot we're in a mixed tag match. It, that, that, well, no, that they didn't sense. do that on purpose. They were just lost. Yeah. That. <laughs> I don't know why. It, that just it would have made more me. sense if, if uh, Bailey was running from uh, Bianca and tagging Rollins in and finally he gets tired of it, makes you stay in there. Yeah. yeah. Then at least you have a little heat with the heels over there and you might build something off of it just for the end of the match. But at least the, the right team won. Yes. And we'll we're, we're, we're take it from well, there. Well, uh, I, actually, no, sorry. I thought we were talking about another match. I don't know if the right team won or not. I, I would like to see Bianca fight somebody other than uh, than Bailey at this point. But again, 
you don't have anybody because you fired everybody. Uh, the second yeah. ma- the second match that we uh, we we saw tonight was the first Money in the Bank <laughs> qualifier for the men. First Money uh, in the Bank qualifier, but the fourteenth match for Biggie and Apollo. You guys realize that Biggie hasn't had a match without Apollo in it since March. Yeah. It has literally been Biggie and Apollo every week every on week. the week. Every se- the matches are always good. Don't get me wrong. Well, Obviously, these guys I'm- got a lot of chemistry with one another. I brought up a point a couple of weeks ago that Vince, I had read, I read this now, that he has decided that no matches should take place without a reason. Right. But yes. But hell, they got. I get all these matches had reasons because they got like a two month history behind them, leading <laughs> right. up to this. But hey, you get tired of watching the same stuff. Yeah. At least with AEW, they're gonna have a lot of talent to pick from. But at least you see different people on that show. Yeah. I mean, you see people you've never heard of before. Right. And I guess I don't even, I don't know what they're doing. Some of them will get over, some of them won't. But I, I think I'd rather see a new person than maybe you could find something to like about a new person instead of seeing the same ones you've seen five or six times. I mean, they're they're, they're bringing up they're bringing up different people from NXT, a lot of their major stars to have dark matches on, uh, on main event and things like that. They had a couple more, they had a few more women, uh, come up this week and have some dark matches. Who was it? It was Shotzi and, um, Scarlet, right? It was Shotzi and Scarlet had a dark match. So yeah. maybe they're, uh, both getting ready to come up here. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, they, they need some, some fresh faces. Uh, luckily though, this appeared to be the final time. The right guy went over. It needed to be Big E. I don't think Apollo being the Intercontinental Champion should be in the Money in the Bank ladder match. He should have his own feud with somebody. I, whoever, whomever the babyface is, maybe it should be Shinsuke Nakamura. Nakamura I don't yeah. know. Give him something to do after winning the crown. Um, I like that they got Aziz tossed from the ring so, so Big E could actually win the damn match. And the best thing that gave me hope was afterwards, Big E literally said, it's over. It's over. Like, we all knew what he was thinking. I've wrestled Apollo way too many damn times. He said, it's over. We're back on track. We're getting this going. And right now, he is my favorite to win the Money in the Bank briefcase. Hands down. No offense to the other three guys who qualified on Raw. I agree with you because the story makes sense. We we heard earlier in the week that Russell Votes uh, reported that Big E is on the list to change from SmackDown to Raw. So the story is laid out very well for Big E to win Money in the Bank. You already have on Raw Bobby Lashley, WWE champion. He's taken out Xavier Woods this past week inside of Hell in a Cell. He's versing Kofi Kingston. He's most likely going to beat Kofi Kingston at Money in the Bank. And Big E can come over to Raw with the Money in the Bank briefcase and be the little cloud over Lashley's title reign. And you can have it a moment. I saw Ryan Satin lay out you know, a possibility of, Brock Lesnar winning the WWE championship and the New Day jumping him and then Big E cashing in money in the bank. No, you do that with Bobby Lashley because Bobby Lashley will take out Xavier, will take out Kofi, and you can have them all return on that draft show after Big E has been drafted. They beat down Bobby Lashley, Big E cashes in money in the bank, and Big E can become the WWE champion. And then you can continue the feud from there or you can go back and forth either way. But I think that Big E... creates a great possibility and he freshens up the raw main event scene that needs it desperately a freshen up for sure yeah and you don't even need to draft him because i like john alba's idea did you see john alba's idea oh john alba's idea yeah i didn't see it i didn't see it it. 
John Alba's idea was so you like you said, Sid, you had Lashley who's taken out Xavier Woods. He beats the hell out of Kofi Kingston at Money in the Bank. Big E can be your Money in the Bank guy. He comes down as Lashley has beaten the crap out of Kofi Kingston after the match is over. And he comes down to the ring and gets in front of him, separates him out. But Big E, he doesn't want to win the title that way. He pulls the John Cena where he says, you know what? You attack my boys. You made this personal. Me, you, SummerSlam, let's go. And then E beats him clean as a whistle. And that's how you make Big E. That's your event making moment for Big E at SummerSlam is have him beat Bobby Lashley, who is this unstoppable monster. Not even Drew McIntyre, granted MVP had a lot to do with it, but not even Drew McIntyre could beat him. But you have Big E beat him clean at SummerSlam. Oh, you're talking SummerSlam. What are you going to do with Cena? Isn't he on SummerSlam? Uh, Cena and Roman. Roman. Cena, Roman, Edge, and Rollins. That seems to be the direction he's going to go. I don't like it, but we'll go with it. You don't like Cena showing up to? No, I, I, I'm just kidding. That's, oh, that's okay. What, that's what you hear in the booking room. I don't like it. I don't like it. What would you do different? Oh, I don't know. Just, uh, <laughs> let me go drink some coffee, drink a little beer or something. I'll come back to you. When will you be back? Uh, three, four hours. I'll be back. Uh, you, know, you know, once we're an hour into the show. Yeah, you know, just keep working on it. I'll be back. So no, I've seen, I've seen a, a sit, sit around the table, a committee, and I may have told you this before. If I have an idea and I pass it to. Sid and Sid passes it to Rick and Rick passes it to somebody else, but like a whisper, it goes around the table. When it gets back, sometimes the people in the in the mats have even changed. They don't even make it around the table before everybody throws their stuff in it. That's why I hate committees. But and especially committees like writers like you were talking about, Rick, who know nothing about the business. I mean, if you really want to throw, if you really want to throw a wrench into something after you sit down and you just really thought as much as you can think about a match, and then somebody says, "Well, I don't," that doesn't make sense. What? None of it makes sense if you really want to break it down. But what? I don't know. I've I've gotten up and walked out of creative meetings. Well, you know what throws a wrench into it is when you finally get a script hammered out, and then Vince shows up four hours before the show and and tears it up. Uh, Well. I think that that's hearsay, and I, I don't think you've ever seen that happen, Rick, so I just want to tell you that I don't think I've ever been around when he did that. Hey, they have come out, though. The show is you're supposed to have everything by at least 4 o'clock. You should have it. Start working on it. And they went back, and they have rewritten shows, and they don't get back to you to sometimes 30 minutes before you go live. I mean, Then they start trying to get everything worked out. Sean Ross. Sometimes, sometimes the chaotic part of it works. So what were you saying? I was gonna say, uh, Paul had a question here. Why should John Cena show back up after being I gone forever and get and, and get a title shot? Um, honestly, because that's it. It just makes sense. He's freaking John Cena. Because he's John Cena. He's John Cena. Because because they, they, they they want, think they about this, Paul. Think about this, Paul. We get to see John Cena, who is. Always going to be in his prime, at least on the microphone, against Roman Reigns, who's yep, literally Paul, never been better. Huh? Yeah, Paul's his name. We we get to see what Roman Reigns now, who cuts the best promo yep. in WWE, against John Cena. Because the last time these two squared off, Cena schooled his ass on the microphone yeah. and made Roman look silly. Now we get to see the tribal chief go up against a doctor of thugonomics. Sign me the hell up for that. And here's the other thing. Cena's there to lose. 
he's bag. there to lose because he's not coming in to win a 17th world title. He's there to help continue to put Roman Reigns over. Roman Reigns ain't – I would be stunned unless something unbeknownst just shows up. Cena's not – or uh, Reigns ain't dropping that title until next WrestleMania, and he may even have it through next WrestleMania. I don't see anybody beating him anytime soon. Yes. I'm writing that down. <laughs> well, write it down that you agreed with me. Write hey, it down that said agree hey, with me. Paul, we don't agree a whole I, lot. Paul, I guess he told you, buddy. Paul's getting, getting, getting torn up on this episode. <laughs> uh, Paul questions? thought Finn Balor was going to come out and challenge Roman Reigns tonight. I think Finn Balor, we're not going to see him till the draft, I would guess. Yeah, I agree he'll with get, you. He'll get drafted somewhere. Yeah. I thought he might have been the guy who could have showed up. I think SmackDown could use him. Uh, but please, for the love of God, let it be Prince Finn Balor, the Finn Balor that we've seen on NXT for the last six months because he's he's literally never been better. Um, we did get Sami Zayn cutting the promo of the night. I absolutely love this promo where he's talking about it being the best week of his life. He beat Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is out of here. Everything is great. He's he's noticed that he's now the, the leader of the cosmos or the leader of karmic justice or however he put it. And then the backstage interviewer whose name escapes me at the moment says, Oh, well actually you got to fight Kevin Owens next week. And he immediately goes, the conspiracy's back on. This is the worst week <laughs> of my life. What the hell is going on? Yeah, and that he, was pretty good. And he, immediately, he immediately runs back to Adam Pierce and he's like, no, I beat Kevin Owens. You need to put me in the ladder match. Better yet. You need to just give me the damn briefcase. I've earned it. Let me, let me ask you guys something. The duo, the tandem, you like that word tandem? The tandem yeah. duo of uh, Sonya Deville and Adam, what's his last name, Pierce? Pierce. 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 Yeah. Do you like that or no? I do. I would like them if they had a title. Like they're just <laughs> there. They're the non-authority. WWE officials. Now, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. awful. Yeah. The non-authority figures. <laughs> yeah. the non now, I don't have any authority here. <laughs> the only issue I have is they, they, those two were butting heads for for weeks, and then all of a sudden it just went away. Now everything yeah. is is copacetic. Like we're we're cool now, and it's like, no, I kind of like that idea of Sonyaville trying to take things over. I wish they would get, I wish they would get back to that. They they don't always agree, but they're not butting heads like they were a few weeks ago, and that that's a little disappointing. No. I was hoping that well, would I, ramp I up think, to something big. I agree with you. I think they do need some uh, tension between them. So I think, and it, it would find its own, it, it would find its own outlet after you see it a time or two and just see how you feel about it. Yeah. Then you can come up with something. It's almost like seeing it in real life say, Hey, wouldn't it be funny if she did this and said this to him and whatever, how do you think he would act? That's how creative is done. But I think those two could have a little tension between them. I, so I, I think, don't know. I don't know that much about Sonya Deville, but. Unless they've decided to make her a wrestler again. I know she was interviewed. I wasn't on the bump. I can't remember where somebody yeah, asked her if she was gonna if she was gonna come back in the ring, and she said, "No, I, I like this role that I'm in right now." And the fact that that was on WWE programming tells me no, she's gonna wind up back in the ring sooner rather than later. We know she's been back in the ring. We've seen photos of her training, um, so she's getting ready to return. She could just show up. Maybe that's the long-term story here, Sid. Maybe this just popped into my head. Maybe she shows up every week and puts a different competitor in the match to piss people off, and then at the end of it, she goes, man, we don't have anybody left. I want to put myself in the damn match. Open. I think she, she wouldn't run in the bank would be the best, the, best, the best choice, for, especially on SmackDown. 
I think she would add a lot. She's a great character. She was probably one of the better heels all of last year. So I think that would work. Hey, Rick. That's a good idea. <laughs> well, I hope that's the one that they're going with. Because uh, otherwise, you know, that that is actually creatively writing yourself out of a corner. A corner that you didn't need to back yourself you, into. You, Rick, you see this enthusiasm you have when you start talking about this. That's what creative needs to have. But when I was there, and I loved all these guys, Vince was always good to me, but the creative didn't have that. They were walking around like like broke down dogs sometimes. And they, you know, you could tell how somebody walks if they're kind of depressed or not happy because, yeah. you know, Vince would lay the law down to him sometimes. And it's this company, he can do that. Sure. But you want these guys to be up. And sometimes, and in your case, you said the girl, the girl writer that, what was her name? Kanishi Mobley. She yep. didn't know anything about wrestling. The writers didn't either, but they were, they were learning. Sure. So, but it was a, it was a tough road to hoe, but I, still, I'm going to go back to our little uh, debate here. I think you need to know a little more about wrestling. And I also think that if you just necessarily rule somebody out because they are a wrestling fan, you're cutting off probably half the good writers in the world. I didn't because write, writers, writers would, should enjoy wrestling on how it's put together. Sure, absolutely. So, if, you can, if, if you can find a, a really talented writer who also knows wrestling, yeah, hire him in a heartbeat. But I, I don't think you should disqualify somebody because they may be a very, very talented writer but don't know anything. What if you have somebody who knows something about wrestling but can't write worth a damn? Isn't that the same thing? Isn't that the same thing? How can you write a wrestling show well, no, you know wrestling, but you can't write? Yes. Then you wouldn't hire them to write. <laughs> Hell, they hire people to wrestle. They can't wrestle. That's true, too. That's that's how to prove a damn point. But none of them, none of them, none of them go on a podcast and admit it. What if we put together, guys, the worst show ever, the worst writing, the worst in ring action, the worst announcing, the worst music? It says the worst. I think no, hey, this is how this is how we can make a lot of money. We let the people in free. Listen. So we'd have, say, a thousand people. We'd let them in free and charge them to get out. <laughs> That's and a the longer idea. you stay, the longer you stay, the more it's going to cost you to leave. So if you isn't want to save some tactic, bucks, you, isn't that you better leave her. Kidnapping? That would be the world. That would be the world's largest kidnap. You'd have like thirty thousand fans held held hostage, and you'd have to call. They'd call in police. They'd have hostage negotiators out there, man. No, they'd be maxing those credit cards out to get out. Here, take I mean, this. I, I got I got fifty dollars on PayPal. Just take it. Just let me get the <laughs> hell out of here. He said, "Okay, I, hate to hate hate for you to leave, but you knew the rules." I mean, uh, I, I hate to use kidnapping as a tra as a transition on this point, but. This week's Sports Keto Wrestling spoke to Alberto De Rio, uh, Dutch Mantel, who you, friend, yes, you, 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 that was your, uh, your charge. How did that, how did that idea for you to manage Alberto De Rio, uh, how did they pitch that to you? One guess. <laughs> how do you think? They just came up to you. They said, Hey, you're managing Alberto De Rio tonight. Yeah, but. But the idea was 
Mr. Vinny's. Vince? That was Vince's uh, idea? It was Vince's idea. But like... But they, I had a... Okay, they put us together, and remember, we hated each other. Yeah. I called him Alberto de Rio. He was a damn coming across the border and sneaking in and stealing and and he hated me and and then I leave to because I had a leg problem. I had I broke my leg and so then when I come back, they had this great idea that I was gonna walk out and be his manager. And I knew it wouldn't work, but remember <laughs> I may have told you guys privately or something, sometimes you can know too much. Yeah. I couldn't go up to them and say, you know, this idea sucks. <laughs> so I wish but you can't, because it's his idea. Right. It's yeah. Vince's idea. So now you've got to find a way to make it work. So I was trying to get, <clears throat> trying to get to him <clears throat> and, and tell him that there's a way out of this to actually put me back with Swagger. So we both team up on Del Rio now it looks like a setup the whole time. Right. Yeah. See, the story was I was I was laid up and nobody cared about me and Jack didn't call. The only person who called me was Senor Del Rio. He called to check on me out of the goodness of his heart. So I took that idea and I said, Hey, when I get out of here, I'm, I got an idea for you. I would go help Del Rio, and it looks like me and Jack uh, had have split up. But the idea I had is we get out of the ring one night and, you know, Del Rio's in the ring and Jack comes out there and jumps all over me. He's just from the top of the ramp. You son of a whatever, you led me down. You told me this, that, that. And you told me you were dealing with this renegade in the ring, blah, blah, blah. And I was on a crutch. And Jack comes down there and kicks a crutch out. Now Del Rio comes out there to defend me and he backs Jack up the ramp a little bit. He said, hey, amigo. If you want to fight somebody, I want you to fight somebody who will fight you back. How about me and you right now? And Jack said, okay, you ready to go? And right when he turned around, I pick up my crutch and I lay out Del Rio. And me and damn Jack just go to town and beat the crap out of him. Now, it's a, it was a setup from the beginning. So, and that would have worked because yeah. me, me and Jack as heels, we had heat. We had a lot of heat. And Del Rio, I think he was better as a baby face, to tell you the truth. I liked him as a baby face. But anyway, it was Vince's idea. God bless him. It didn't work. So, but it wasn't my idea. <laughs> Feel free to get uh, your questions in for Dutch as uh, we, we come to a, a close on this show. Uh, didn't get it out. How, how do we feel about a last man standing money in the bank qualifying match next week between Kevin Owens, who said on Twitter he was taking time off. Uh, apparently it was only a week. I guess he got the old phone call. Hey, we need you back for one more match with Sammy. One more match with Sammy. I do believe Sammy Zayn should win this match next week, by the way. I agree with you. Um, I think that this plays into Sammy Zayn's like, conspiracy. Like I don't like No? It. Why not? I'm just, I'm just disagreeing. You fall, you fall for that every See? single time. Yeah, I don't like it. Someone has to. Someone has That's to. what creative does. I don't like it. Well, what's wrong with it? What's wrong with you, son of a... No, but I, I think he, he, he should win, yeah. I, I like it now since you threatened me. So, 
I mean, I think you almost need. Do we have a heel in this match yet? Do we have a one? Because I mean, I is John Morrison a heel? I mean, I guess he yeah. kind of is. People kind of, yeah, yeah. I don't know. He and Miz can kind of tween sometimes back and forth. But yeah, I guess. Not I guess if you watch segments every week. No. No, I mean, Miss TV. I mean, week. Orton's a tweener too. He beat Orton. I don't know if Orton's a heel or a babyface or or what's going on there. Is it is Riddle a heel or a babyface? I don't know what's going on there. To be Riddle's a babyface. See, <laughs> see that that's the problem. When you're debating on who's the heel and who's the babyface, you got a problem. There's it a lot of that on Raw right it, now. It yeah. used to be when a guy, as soon as he walked out of the dressing room, you knew what he was because the way he looks, walks, carries himself. It all told you that he's a heel. Then he, and you know, the baby face comes to ring the big, the the shining knight on the white horse. You know, he's a good guy. But now, if you got to go in there and watch him for two or three minutes to figure out who you like or not, you might just pick. Well, I like this guy because he's got red on, or I like the other guy because he might have green on. I don't know. But that's one of the reasons that wrestling has changed over the years, and not for the better either. All right, the last match, the last match of the night was Jimmy Uso going up against Dolph Ziggler. And my God, my kidneys hurt after watching him take that zigzag into the steel steps. I literally screamed yeah. about six expletives involuntarily when I saw that spot. Tough some bitch, though. He, he, he continued the match. He ended up winning. Uh, the, the super kick to get the win was a little anticlimactic. Roman Reigns, though, just totally no sells it, deadpans it, just says, I don't give a damn, walks past him. And of course, that sets up the uh, the big edge finish uh, at the end. So, well, that Jimmy's to trying me, to earn some respect to the, the tribal chief, and I don't think he accomplished it tonight. Well, that made him a bigger heel than what he was. He's a bully, he doesn't give anybody proper credit. That's his family, so like keeping the family together, but then kind of dismissed him and went to the ring. That's why when I thought when he got in the ring, I thought maybe Uso would come and answer him somehow. But I don't think that turn is going to come till they go back on the road. Yeah. Because yeah. there's no need to. It'll be dead by the time they go on the road, the way they're doing things. But if they do it and give maybe Roman something to do to get to SummerSlam, I think you I think they'll be in good shape then, I hope. You know what I like, Dutch? You said Roman Reigns is a bully. You know the one thing that we never hear anybody call Roman Reigns on television is a bully. We It, it goes back to, to but Bianca. You, but you can't. You can't call her him a bully because Bailey is a bully. Right, exactly. You don't need – that's my point, though. You don't need Bianca saying, oh, you're a bully over and over and over again. We get it. We know the mannerisms. We know the that's, attitude. We all know what an asshole looks like. All right. We don't. We don't need you to tell us what it is. We don't need you to tell us what we're seeing. That's a writer's job. Exactly. I just thought I'd bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they should bring in more out of the box writers. Oh huh? uh, no, they should have less. <laughs> less all right, gentlemen. More. Anything else you want to get off your chest tonight? Okay. One more thought. They only yeah. had twelve guys on the card. Back years ago in the territory, you had one guy telling all what to do because 12 guys is not an overload. I mean, we did that every night. But yeah. here they probably had four or five writers and four or five agents and producers. And I think it's overkill on the back. 
because you don't know what one agent has told the guys to do or allowed them to do when another agent hears the same thing, but he doesn't know the other match is doing it. So now you, you've got to coordinate the stuff. You can't all do the same stuff. So, but anyway, and I have nothing else I want to talk about. No, no, no more story time with Dutch tonight. Nothing, no story you want to tell. Well, no, no clean stories. (laughs) You know what we need? We need Dutch after dark. That's what we need. We need Dutch after after dark. dark. We'll come back at midnight. We'll, we'll just tell all the R-rated stuff. Well, if people want to hear stories, they got to remind me of stuff. They got to write stuff in. Hey, what about this? And what about that? And what about the other? And, And then when I get to talking, it's like taking a trip. When you take a trip in a car, you just start talking. And then somebody said, well, how did that work? And how did this work? And that's why when you was in the wrestling business, you had to travel with people who were good talkers or good listeners. Because if you went to travel with somebody and they didn't talk, that is one boring trip. <laughs> you feel like kicking the crap out of them about halfway through the trip and saying, damn, say something, please. I'm going to sleep over here. But. Well, one final comment here from Eric. Um, Eric, that was a phony account. Don't uh, don't fall um, into that. They did not. They did not announce Becky was coming back next week. And if WWE did that, if WWE spoils Becky's return, they're idiots. They are absolutely idiots. I don't care if they advertise John Cena or anything. You wait until Becky Lynch is back in front of fans. Don't announce it. Don't even let it sneak out. You bring her in through the back with a hood on her head to keep anybody from seeing her. She should not even. You, she should wear a mask at the airport, all right? Nobody should spot her anywhere close to an arena. And I, no. I want to hear that pop with the live fans when she comes back. Just have her drive to L.A. from New York. There you go. Yeah, not don't fly. Because, well, you can't wear a mask on the plane. Well, I guess you could. You could put well, you're, you're, st- you're still required to. Yeah. You're still required to wear a mask on flights. And sunglasses. That so is true. That's sunglasses. Good thinking. Hair, or put up the, put up the hood. The mask, sunglasses, nobody's going to know it's her. Keep everything on until you get to the arena and then sit back in a – don't even talk to catering. Don't talk to anybody who might be able to tweet Sean Ross app or anybody like that or Ryan Satin or Dave Meltzer. Keep her hidden and locked away. And then, boom, hit her music. You you know know. how they keep that quiet? They don't bring her in to rock, but she's ready to go on. Yeah. Yeah. Then it's too late. You see her walking in. Somebody said, "Oh God, I gotta call." Hey, it's too late. He doesn't get the he doesn't get the jump. Right, exactly. See, you gotta be no, thinking there, think. Rick. I, I <laughs> no, know, I know, I know. It's all about building ratings, but you can advertise John Cena. That's fine. I think Becky Lynch is the surprise you got to bring in, guys. It was it was great as always, even though we we don't agree on a damn. Well, you two agree, and then you know I'm over here in my own. My own happy little world. We'll do it again next week where hopefully we can just spend the whole hour talking about SmackDown. And hopefully, and hopefully you have a great Baron Corbin match for us next week. Hopefully. I will try to do some home. But damn, Sid, it's not like I got enough to do in my damn life. Now, you, now you're making me go back and, and, and revisit stuff. <laughs> I'll see what I can find for you. All right. We'll be back next week. Thank you guys for everybody uh, who uh, was watching it. Oh, by the way, real quick, follow us all on Twitter at TrueHeelSP3, at Dirty D Mantel. Uh, at Ricky Chino, I'm five away from 2,000 guys. That's my year-end goal. I'm five away. Uh, uh, shout out to Sean Rossap who uh, uh, gave me a little retweet there and helped me get that boost going up. So I appreciate that. Uh, I do have an interview with Frankie Monet. A really hilarious interview with Frankie Monet. Who, who the- is Frankie Monet? Who is that? Uh, 
that's Taya Valkyrie. She's uh, married to John okay. Morrison. Uh, she goes by uh, Frankie Monet in uh, okay, NXT. Now, now. We, we talked about that. We, we got the origin story of Johnny Drip Drip and whether or not we're going to see Frankie Drip Drip one day. It's a really, really funny interview. It's up on the Sports Keto Wrestling YouTube channel. Check that out. Also, subscribe while you are there. Hopefully, I'll, got, I'll have some more stuff for you guys next week. Sid, you got your show tomorrow, yes? Yes, True Hill Heat 131 it goes live tomorrow, as well as uh, coming up this week, I got interviews with Weston Blake, the former Wesley Blake, as well as Alberto El Patron on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel. So check that out. Good. All right. Looking forward to all that. Dutch, thank you very much for your, okay, your wisdom and insight. Sid, I still love you, even though I don't agree with you. I don't think That's fine. Does. We can disagree and still be cool. We need more exactly. of that society. Exactly. I, don't think he, I don't think he loves you. I think he's just telling you that. It, it's all right. Not many people I'm, do love me. I'm going to flip him the finger after we're out of here. It's all right. We'll see you, we'll see you back next week here, guys. Have a good all one. Right. Enjoy your weekend. Peace.